recommended affirmative action in higher education. This 6-3 decision essentially stops universities from using race as a factor in admissions. It's a new era for schools and ends decades of precedent that allowed institutions like Harvard and the University of North Carolina to consider race when deciding who to let in, in order to make their campuses more diverse. In the majority opinion, Chief Justice John Roberts wrote that the programs at Harvard and UNC, quote, lack sufficiently focused and measurable objectives warranting the use of race, unavoidably employ race in a negative manner, involve racial stereotyping, and lack meaningful endpoints. The ruling could mean less black and Hispanic students end up at the top elite institutions and force hundreds of schools to revamp their admissions policies. There are nine states where affirmative action is already banned, and research shows that when schools end race-conscious admissions, they become less diverse, even when race-neutral alternatives are put into place. Shut up and atone for your whiteness. Welcome back to Training Tuesday on the Rob Main Issue here on the Red Voice Media Network. And man, if you're if you don't get going after watching Chad Caton on on the RBM Roundup, uh, go check him out on I'm Fired Up at two o'clock on the Roku channel uh, or on the Rumble channel, and go sign up for the Rumble channel and subscribe to that. We'd appreciate it. Uh, that's right. You'll atone, or you won't get into college, or get a great job. Well, heads up, racism is wrong in any form. Let me repeat that. Racism is wrong in any form. Preventing any American from the opportunity to succeed in life is antithetical to our foundational idea, and using the law to do it is repugnant to the Constitution of the United States. That is essentially what the Supreme Court of the United States said was happening when it struck down affirmative action in college admissions at Harvard and the University of North Carolina, and it is a decision that applies to everyone. Of course, the howling from the Marxist left in America began immediately and continues to screech that diversity will be hurt if colleges must admit more smart Asians. What? How stupid is that? Yeah, the court found in favor of Students for Fair Admissions, a group representing Asian students being discriminated against by these two prestigious schools. Well, Outkicks, Bobby Burak joins me again today to discuss his new article that covers all of this, and he calls it for what it is, excused racism, and it destroys rather than helps our society. Bobby, welcome back to the Rob Beta Show, sir. Rob, I appreciate it. That's a great article. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know if you caught the very tail end of that cold open there, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, somebody made mention, if I remember correctly, that the diversity is going to decrease uh, and it's going to hurt us, uh, this decision is. And, uh, you know, uh, you, you talk a little bit about that in your article uh, about the, uh, the stats really show that these affirmative action measures hurt black people as much or more than helping them. Isn't that right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, according to an Atlantic study that I referenced in the column, um, affirmative action has actually hindered the success rate of many black students. Why? Because they're being put into colleges they're not qualified for via affirmative action. So what happens is, is they're pushed in front of the line, 
but when they get there, they're treated like the other students who are qualified to be there. So what happens? Well, the test scores that once they get there are much lower, so it increases dropout rates, failure rates, and discourages them go for advanced degrees, be it a master, a PhD, et cetera, et cetera. Well, if affirmative action wasn't in place, those black students would more likely go to colleges they are qualified for. Um, what would happen then? They would have higher test scores at the college they're qualified for, they would graduate at higher rates, and they would tend to go for more advanced degrees. So this whole idea, and I call it excused racism, has uplifted certain black individuals to public yeah. heights, be it Kamala yeah. Harris. But for every Kamala Harris, there's several black students who have been who have failed because of affirmative action. If you dig deep into all of this, and we'll get into the origin of affirmative action, we think that's key. It hasn't yeah. really helped that many people. It's helped the people who enable this, which is mostly Democratic leaders. Now, let's go back to when this idea was introduced. The yeah. late 1960s, what was happening? The civil rights movement was coming to an end. This was a way for Democrats to say, we're not going to give up controlled racism because the civil rights movement is coming to an end. We're just mm -hmm. going to reverse it and control the flow of racism through affirmative action. Now, affirmative action has morphed into much, much more, including ESG, equity, DEI. Yeah. All of this stuff continues the premise that we ought to racially discriminate against certain groups to reach racial equality. That's not how you govern, Rob, and you're seeing the repercussions widespread across the nation. Oh, yeah. I, you know, if I remember correctly, and uh, I don't know the quote exactly, but, uh, uh, but it's legendary that President Lyndon Johnson, the famous racist, that Southern racist that he was, uh, uh, that's pretty clearly known and widely known by everybody, uh, actually said when he signed this that we'll keep those, you know, in words, uh, voting Democrat for 150 years or something like that, uh, something crazy like that. Uh, with this approach. Uh, uh, and you know what? The, he wasn't far off from being wrong, Bobby. Uh, you know, look at the voting rates in this country, you know, and then when when you see uh, 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 black Americans from all walks of life turn their back on that crazy party that it is today, uh, and really was then, it just was matched better, uh, uh, they get attacked, and uh, I think uh, somebody even referred to uh, Chief to Justice Clarence Thomas as a house slave the other day. Oh my gosh! If I said that about a, a black American or any person of color uh, today, I would be ruined. I mean, ruined completely. They'd go after my family. They'd go after my mortgage. You know, what little revenue I get, they'd go after the revenue streams uh, uh, and everything. It's it's really crazy. When when you uh, when you were doing the research on the history of it, uh, uh, and I ask you this because I saw a CNN video that I'm not going to play during the show because I don't know I don't think it's very accurate, but they said that this was put in place to address the violence that was happening in society. Now, there was a lot of violence, but there were usually things that triggered it off, like Martin Luther King's assassination, his murder, 
resulted in a lot of riots in, I think, 60 cities around the country. Uh, but you know what? Uh, the Vietnam War, when black Americans are getting drafted at a higher rate because they couldn't afford to go to college, uh, and they were getting creamed and killed and maimed in the Vietnam War at a higher rate than any other demographic, that caused riots at home, too. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, but but it wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, the foundational piece to this wasn't necessarily to stop the violence. I always thought that it was an, another step to try to uh, correct the wrongs of America for the first 165, 175 years or whatever those numbers were. Uh, yeah. Do you agree with that? Have you seen that CNN video? No, I haven't. But um. One of the criticisms that I get, Rob, is that I tend to be late to a story. My column came out 10 days after the Supreme Court ruling. But the reason <laughs> I do that is because I don't want to rush to judgment. I want to spend time, do the research, form my thesis, and challenge myself and question myself. So I did so much research on this um, for 10, 11 days. Um, it made it my priority every morning to get as much information on this as possible. But look, there's a lot of reasons why the Democrats will say they enabled affirmative action. But ultimately, it comes down to, they would never say this, but at the end of the civil rights movement, they feared that we would head toward a colorblind society where they could mm -hmm. no longer use racism as a political weapon because their message, and it continues to be today, were the party to defeat white supremacy and systemic racism. Well, right. if you don't enable stuff like affirmative action and equity and DEI, it's no longer a conversation and Democrats lose that political advantage. That's why Joe Biden, every time he goes to a college, says white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland. Look, it's a lie. He never cites any evidence, but according to a Gallup poll, it's working. Race relations have heightened, racial tensions rather, 20% since he took office. So. This idea of systemic racism, this myth, this idea is incredibly beneficial to Democrat Party. That's why they introduced affirmative action. It's not to stop violence. I mean, that's a great excuse. A lot of people might believe that, but there's simply right. no evidence of that at all. Now, I want to go back to one more thing you said that was really important. So you're right. Yesterday, uh, the Minnesota Attorney General called Justice Clarence Thomas a house slave, as in Stephen from Django Unchained. Um, yep. There's two types of racism that are prevalent all across the country. One is the one I talk about in this piece, and that is the racism against white people and Asians in college and institutions, and particularly in the workplace, which, by the way, is going to continue. But the second mm -hmm. one is liberals, a lot of times black liberals, sometimes white liberals too, the way they talk about and treat Black Americans who disagree with groupthink is the most vile type of racist. Um, Samuel L. Jackson, Joy Reid, they often refer to Clarence Thomas as Uncle Clarence because he disagrees with them. The attacks on someone like Clarence Thomas, um, Candace Owens, Sage Steele from ESPN, because they're people of color who disagree with Democrat thing, all of a sudden they're now subject to racism from the corporate press and politicians. That is the, I mean, Herschel Walker is a perfect example. You had a guy yeah. at MSNBC call him almost the N-word at MSNBC. According to Herschel Walker, he considered it the N-word. So you see all this stuff going on, and that's the type of racism that still haunts American society. 
but nobody talks about. They talk about this institutional racism that benefits white people. There's no evidence of that because it hasn't existed in a long, long time. In most of our lifetimes, it hasn't. Yeah, you're exactly right. In the next segment, uh, we're gonna. Uh, I found the video of Joy Reid. You wrote about it in your article extensively about he. She kind of accidentally uh, made some admissions. So I got the I got the TikTok video. Uh, we're gonna lead the next segment off of that. I got to do an ad read real quick, Bobby. We got to do commercials now since we're live on Red Voice Media Network, uh, and uh, we'll be right back. Uh, attention, Americans! Breaking news: Biden's dangerous plan for the digital dollar being implemented as we speak. Don't you dare be fooled. It's not going to benefit you. Act now before it's too late. I bet you didn't even know the Federal Reserve's phased deployment of FedNow started on July 1st, 2023, just weeks ago. Brace yourselves. This may catch you off guard, as it has many others. Your hard-earned assets are at risk, but there's a way to legally opt out of the digital dollar in time. How? With one straightforward, entirely legal tax loophole. Contact my friends at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide. Learn how to safeguard your wealth from a failing dollar in volatile markets with gold and silver IRAs. Dial 833-2-USA-GOLD. That's right. Call right now. 833-287-2465. This invaluable guide will outline the precise steps you need to take to immediately transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals, all without any tax consequences. Don't let the Biden regime force you into using the government's new digital dollar that they can turn off and keep you from doing things like buying ammunition or food with. So call 833-2-USA-GOLD. That's right. Call now. 833-287-2465. Yep, that's 833-287-2465. Attention Americans, breaking news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. Take action now. The Federal Reserve phase deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard. Your hard-earned assets are in jeopardy. But there's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Reach out to American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Visit protectfrombiden.com. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Be smart. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Visit protectfrombiden.com to get your free guide and get started. Again, that's protectfrombiden.com. Let me 
just be clear. I got into Harvard only because of affirmative action. I went to a school no one had ever heard of in Denver, Colorado, in a small suburb. I didn't go to Exeter or Andover. Yeah, I didn't right. have college test prep. I just happened to be really nerdy and smart and have really good grades and good SAT scores. Right. But someone came to Denver, Colorado to look for me. A Harvard right. recruiter flew to Denver, and I met up with her at the Village Inn restaurant and did a pre-interview to get to to pull me into Harvard. I wasn't. I was pulled in, and the and the schools like Harvard and Yale that That's I got the, into affirmatively. Yes. And it was literally not saying we're going to take an unqualified person and put them right. in Harvard. Yes. We're going to take a very qualified person who we would never know existed and put them in Harvard. That's how I got there. That's how Katanji got there. That's how well, Justice Jackson, I should say, Justice Jackson got there. It's how Clarence Thomas got there. Right. But the minute I arrived from my majority black little town, Montbello in Denver, to Harvard, the first like week or two that I was in class, my presence was questioned by white people. I was in this big conference class hmm. where some white students stood up and said, those students, the black students, they're only here because of affirmative action. It became a huge argument that we all ended up having. This was freshman year. I had never had my academic credentials questioned. I had never had anyone question whether I was intelligent until I got to Harvard. And it was a defining uh, point of my experience there. It's why I really was mis one of the many reasons I was miserable there my freshman year. Yeah. You felt completely out of place and people keep telling you you shouldn't be here. And yet, some of the people I went to school with were far less smart than me or the other right. black folk there. Right. They got in because their daddy and their granddaddy. I right. went to school with somebody whose name was on one of the buildings. <laughs> You're going to school with people whose names are on the buildings, who are third and fourth generation legacies, whose parents pumped money into Harvard to get them right. in. But that affirmative action is okay with this majority. They said that the people who benefited from slavery, their descendants, who are so far ahead of black folk in terms of opportunity, that will never catch up to them. I don't care how many Oprahs we get. Those people's <laughs> affirmative action is A-OK -okay because those people yeah. can pay for fancy trips for them. Yeah. But you people who want to get in just because of your brains but you're not from a legacy, too bad. You can't come in. Welcome back to the Rob Mana Show live here on the Red Voice Media Network and uh, newly on the Roku channel. And uh, my show is now at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and you got to check out the whole uh, new lineup uh, that we've got going. I, I follow the RBM Roundup, which is just a kick you know what show uh and uh, you gotta watch it uh and get ready to get ready for my show so you're ready to think about these issues we're talking with outkicks uh bobby burak today about his article that he wrote uh, uh and the term that i got introduced to in your article was excused racism it, Bobby, and, uh, uh, there's a lot to unpack there with that video. You did you did a, quite a good job in your article uh, about Joy Reid's story that she told there. Uh, but I find it interesting that that uh, these folks are trying to make affirmative action about something that it's not for in 99% of the cases. And the something they're trying to say is, oh, I wasn't really given an opportunity because I wasn't qualified. I was highly qualified. And, and, and we don't, we'll never know. We, well, I won't ever know. Probably somebody will get the grades at some point. I'm sure if they haven't gotten them already, maybe she's telling the truth. Uh, on that. Uh, and you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if she wasn't telling the truth. But that's not what the policy of affirmative action does. Now, is it? 
No, in Joy Reid said in that clip that um, so much unpacked there because she's on and on and on. But yeah. she inadvertently admitted one of the flaws of affirmative action that is that it undermines black people. So what she's trying to yeah. say is she would have gotten into Harvard either way, but she didn't know about it. But her test scores were good enough, whether she was black, white, or Asian, but a recruiter wanted her because she was black. So, okay, maybe. Then she got there and said, well, she was more than qualified and more qualified than a lot of the white students, but they looked at her and said, or said behind her back, she's only here because she's black. She got in affirmatively. Well, I don't know if that's true, but it most certainly is true of some black students because it's happening across corporate America too. So when mm-hmm. policymakers, corporate leaders continuously say, we're factoring in diversity, they're saying your skin color matters. So that sends a clear message to everybody that there are certain people getting jobs, getting into colleges based on their race, which newsflash has been happening, it continues to happen. It's widespread across all U.S. institutions. Naturally, other people are going to suspect, well, if our overlords are admitting that they're factoring race into admissions, you're going to wonder if that black person is qualified or if they just got in because of the color of their skin, which is being promoted to us. So I used to cover media before I covered politics and culture. And speaking to agents, they used to always say, well, I have this good client who's capable for this job, but they're white, so they're not going to get it. So those white people know they're not getting a job on TV because they're white. So when they yeah. see a black person get that job, whether that black person was qualified or not, and maybe he or she was, but you're automatically going to assume that if you were taken out of the race because of your race, they got the job because of their race. That's undermining in demeaning to black people, which is the point Joy Reid arrived at, but didn't seem to want to make. Yeah, and uh, and you mentioned in your article that you know the white people that are skeptical. Uh, I mean, you really can't hold it against them. Uh, or, well, let's just put it this way. We shouldn't hold it against them, but in our society today that is so anti-white, uh, uh, I can't believe I, that I have to say these things. Uh, I didn't grow up in a society uh, that that was so opposed to me as a white male, and now I'm a, I'm a boomer too. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of pejoratives out there used to describe a person like me uh, that's commanded young people in, in the military and taken them to war. Uh, and, uh, uh, and they all have my highest respect and regard, uh, but, uh, uh, but we attack people like that, that point that kind of stuff out. You know, Charlie Kirk uh, uh, is being attacked right now because he pointed out that the, the women and men that have said they took advantage and were helped by affirmative action, like Joy Reid, Kachanje Jackson, uh, and a couple others, he said it out loud. Uh, they've said it. He's all, he only said what they have said, but he's being attacked because he's a white male uh, for saying yeah. it. And that's you know? the criticism. Right. I get this criticism all the time from like bloggers and writers from Slate and Substack. Like they'll email me and say, How mm-hmm. dare you? You're such a racist. How, you know, why would you say something like that? A lot of times I don't respond. But when I do, I'm yeah. like, Wait a minute. Your side has said that. All I'm doing is citing what your side has said. Like I go back to this was the most eye opening case. The president of ESPN, which is the leading sports network in the country, 
in June mm-hmm. 2020 said diversity is the number one priority within ESPN and the parent company, Walt Disney. So he's admitting publicly diversity is more important than anything, including success, finances, and stock prices. So if he's telling people diversity is a number one priority, what does that mean? All of the employees and potential employees are being judged by their skin color. The skin color might not be the only factor, but he just told the world skin color is a factor. So you know going into one of these jobs, your race could determine precisely your level of success, whether you're hired, whether you're fired, whether you're promoted, demoted, and what you're allowed to say. Rob, who would want to live in a country where their race defines them? That's the exact purpose the civil rights movement fought against. Now, look, obviously, I don't check off any of the boxes, which is fine. I mean, no, no, I mean, which is fine, but still not right. And by the way, I don't know if that many Black Americans want to be treated like that, where they're told they're owed something. Because what we're doing is we're dividing society into the oppressed, in the oppressors, and the criteria is based on ancestors who you don't even know, but look like you. One of the most bizarre things I see is the idea Mm. that white people, you had your turn, it's our turn. Wait a minute, because some white guy in the early 90s or early 1900s had a good job, all of a sudden I had my turn? That guy's not paying my bills. That guy didn't provide me a home. What correlation do I have with that guy other than skin color? Why are we grouping each other all into these categories? I mean, it's so frustrating and it's racist and it's wrong. And people don't want to say it, but they should because this should not be happening. And everybody knows this wrong, but there's people at the top benefiting from it. So it continues. Yeah, my parents were both born during the Great Depression, uh, and they came from large families that were extremely poor. Uh, you know, and my dad, uh, he was an Air Force E-7 when he retired. I mean, <laughs> you talk about not having a life of privilege, but you know what? I was fortunate. I, I was mentored by an officer who is a Comanche Indian, uh, who is my my best friend in the in the United States Air Force? It turned out, and, and we are still great friends. Uh, and uh, he helped me get into Harvard in a master's program. And I tell you what, Bobby, I, the the people that I met there during the program, especially the undergraduates, were just so much more smarter than I was. You know, I was really kind of in awe uh, about it all. But uh, but. But the other thing that I saw was that Harvard had to build a lot of infrastructure to make sure that some of the folks that they brought in were able to get through the classes because they didn't want to get into one of the things that uh, Joy Reid talks about and that you've talked about in your article, and that is that that, uh, bringing in unqualified people, they struggle, they drop out. Instead of going to a school where they would be qualified and they go on to get a master's a degree or a law degree, uh, and, and then enter society with a higher-paying job, uh, they they go through this struggle uh, because they were put in a situation uh, that uh, that really was uh, more overpowering for them. And, and I did meet a few people like that, but I what I did see the most of is that Harvard undergraduate had to build a lot of infrastructure to make up for that and help those people uh, uh, extra. And you could see it uh, in the way the community worked and the 
communications you saw as a student uh, and those kind of things. So good on Harvard for doing that, but bad on them for implementing a program where as an Asian student, you have a 12 point something uh, acceptance rate uh, and uh, and the Asian students uh, look at their work in high school <laughs> and, and they kick everybody's butt because they're just hard workers and, and, and you know, they, they put their shoulder to the wheel. Their parents have taught them that. Many of them are, have parents that are immigrants from the communist countries and those kinds of places. Uh, and they're proud to be Americans. We shouldn't be treating people of color like Asians like that. We shouldn't be treating anybody like that. It's yeah, crazy. And I, laugh, and I laugh because two months ago, a CNN article came out complaining there wasn't enough black heart surgeons and we, that we need to yeah. re, reestablish a way for there to be more black heart surgeons. Well, Rob, if I ever need heart surgery, and pray to God I won't, but you never know, um, I wouldn't care what skin color my heart surgeon is. I, I would want the best heart surgeon. I'm pretty sure the CEO of CNN, well, I guess they don't have a CEO right now because he was yeah. fired, but the next CEO, he or she is also going to want the most qualified heart surgeon. So if we get to a point where we're trying to change the threshold in order to make black people become heart surgeons more easily, I mm -hmm. mean, it's a failure of not only the medical field, but of the country. We can't have unqualified people performing heart surgery in the name of diversity. I mean, if that ever becomes a trend, CNN certainly trying to make it one, that's where things we really have to reassess and somehow take back control of this country because we're spiraling towards spiraling towards a really dangerous place where we're being stripped from our identity and being categorized, whether we're white, black, male, woman, trans, and non-binary. This is a complete step backwards in every facet of a society. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And we're going to talk about in the, that in the next segment, Bobby, of uh, this stuff in the workplace uh, and move out of the academic environment. Uh, I'm Rob Manis on the Red Voice Media Network here. Uh, we're on the Roku channel and on Rumble. Go subscribe to the Rumble channel. Get the notifications. We will be right back. make a point of that's that's an investment criteria for you well behaviors are going to have to change and this is one thing we're going to we're asking companies uh, you have to force behaviors and at blackrock we are forcing behaviors uh, 54 percent of the incoming class are women we we added four more points in terms of diverse uh, employment this year. And it, if it, you know, what we're doing internally is if you don't achieve these levels of impact, it, your compensation could be impacted, okay? We're doing the same thing. And so it's just, it, you have to force behaviors. 
And if you don't force behaviors, whether it's gender or race or just any way you want to say the composition of your team, you're going to be impacted. And that's not just not recruiting, it is development, as Ken said. And ultimately, it's still going to take time, but I am just as much shocked as Ken is that we have not seen more opportunities. And we're going to have to force change. Welcome back to the Rob Manus Show here on Red Voice Media Network, where we bring you the truth and the facts, and you get to make up your own mind on what's really happening in the world instead of having a government or corporate narrative of propaganda and lies forced down your throat. Uh, and uh, So uh, please join us. You can catch us on Roku and on Rumble. Uh, we're going to be on other streaming services here real soon, uh, uh, like Amazon Fire and Samsung and Apple TV. Uh, uh, we're really looking forward to it. We have, we have great content, and uh, we bring you the truth and the facts uh, in various entertaining ways. And today we're talking with Bobby Burak from Outkick about his article where uh, the, the term excused racism is in the title uh, of that. And Bobby, uh, I stole that video from your article, uh, the tweet that was in your article. That's Larry Fink of BlackRock. Uh, uh, can't stand the guy. I think he's a traitor to his, his uh, to humankind, quite frankly. Uh, and you, you mentioned ESG. That, that stands for, folks, that stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. Uh, and it's a it's a credit system. Uh, if you look up the term Chinese social yeah. credit system, you will discover what ESG is, and it's applied to companies by companies like BlackRock. I think BlackRock's the biggest the biggest culprit. Uh, they decide what companies to invest in based on their ESG score. Uh, and, 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 uh, and you pointed out in the article, but uh, this is where we get into the workplace stuff. He mentioned he mentioned several things there that really caught my attention when I listened to it. That's why I wanted to use it. Was uh, this is not just about recruitment and sessions, you know, uh, denying people to be able to come into companies uh, because they're the wrong race or the wrong gender or both. Uh, but it's also about professional development within the company. That's a fancy term, folks, for your ability to to get promoted. Uh, and, and get pay increases is going to be limited if they apply this ESG score to your activities uh, or if they, they catch you speaking out against the unfairness of workplace discrimination against a particular race or, or gender. Uh, and uh, uh, that's just, those, those things pop, really popped out at me. And then the, the coup de gras is, is, uh, uh, you have to use force. We have to force people to do this and force companies to do this, man. Holy cow. I'm glad you put it in your article because we've got to keep talking about it. We've got to keep highlighting this. Yeah, and I cover a lot of corporations and the bizarre, wonky decisions they make. And people ask me, Bobby, why are they doing this? The answer, more often than not, is because of ESG. And you laid it out there. I mean, in short, you're handed an ESG score based on your dedication to certain categories. In the column, we dive into the S, which stands for social, meaning you get graded based on your dedication to diversity, inclus inclusivity, gender orientation. And with BlackRock CEO there in that clip, who is such a spineless sponge. I mean, I really shouldn't be saying this, but I just I hate the guy because of what he's 
done to the the industries and all that stuff. But so what they're doing is they're giving you a score based on how many white people you have and how many non-white people you have based on the S category. So if you have too many white people, you get a low score. If you start cutting down on the white people, fire them, demote them, and replace them with people of color, you get a higher grade in the S category. Thus, you're more likely to get an investment from a firm like BlackRock. So forced behaviors is accurate. He is, people like him and other CEOs for these investment firms, they're forcing corporations to prioritize identity over competence in order to get the financial backing they need. So a lot of corporations are doing it because they need that financial investing and backing. So it's no surprise when you find out that this corporation is totally neglecting their consumer base it's because they're trying to improve that score, the ESG score, which I liking to a very creepy Chinese social credit system, which America was designed to never allow happen, but now it's happening on our private sector and it's escalating. Um, Glenn Beck wrote about ESG a couple of years ago, did a fantastic job, laid it out, had a lot of research about how it came to be, but ESG is now infested corporations um, really in every major industry, particularly Fortune 500 companies. And a lot of times that's allowed companies to pass over the best candidate or maybe remove somebody already in place just to improve that score. I mean, Rob, there's hardly anything less American than a system like that. And I don't even know how it's legal, but apparently because it's happening in the private sector, they can do it. Um, in a couple of a Supreme Court analyst talked about this a couple of weeks ago before the ruling was final. Even with this affirmative action ruling, the government's mm -hmm. not able to stop what's happening with ESG. So this is going to continue to happen. So as I cite in the piece, if you miss out on a job, a lucrative job, your dream job, just rest assured maybe you lost out because you weren't the right skin color. How awful is that? But don't we have federal laws uh, that uh, that ban that type of selection process in the corporate world? I I thought so, but apparently it's not because I don't know that they actually say like, "Hey, we didn't hire you because you're white." Right? They're just they're having an outside firm grade them. So I mean, I think it's obvious that it's happening. But these corporations aren't openly saying, "Hey, we fired you because we're white." Hey, we hired you because you were non-white. So I think it's very hard yeah. to prove in court. And plus they would say, well, we're not, they could say that, well, we're not worried about ESG scores, but we took money from BlackRock anyway. I think it'd be hard for a lawyer to pinpoint <laughs> that. But uh, it's yeah. one of those things that we all know that is happening. And as of right now, there's really no way to stop it. Yeah, well, uh, I know there are some bills going through the Congress uh, in the Republican House of Representatives that are on the that are uh, being put in the public uh, that address ESG and, and really ban it. It should be outlawed. Uh, oh, quite yeah, honestly, uh, you know, we uh, it, it should, maybe we need to uh, adjust the uh, major antitrust. Uh, legislation that already exists and add that to it because because really it's an antitrust issue because all these companies are colluding together. They're colluding together against those that they say uh, shouldn't be rewarded regardless of how well they can perform or how well they can compete. 
uh, in the corporation or society, wherever it is. Uh, and uh, and that's a, that's an antitrust issue to me because they they you know folks like think they have un, almost unfettered power, almost yeah. unfettered power. Uh, much uh, much like uh, commanders in the military, you know. Before the break, we, were, we you talked about uh, uh, about the uh, uh, you know the jobs and uh, your heart surgeon, you know. Uh, well, we just did a show yesterday about the new nominee for the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staffs hearing, uh, and he signed a letter as as the chief of staff of the Air Force that said there were five thousand four hundred too many white officers. Uh, uh, and he is fully uh, uh, signed up to diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, and in uh, a form of ESG uh, being implemented on his subordinate organizations. And now he's going to be over the entire military, the most senior military officer in America. Uh, and uh, and it looks like the crazies in the Senate. Uh, when I say crazies, I mean the career politicians on both sides of the aisle have no idea what time it is. They they treated his hearing, his nomination hearing on the committee, uh, like it was in the 1980s when you had guys like Sam Nunn and, and John McCain being collegial and that kind of stuff. Well, that's not what time it is. We can't compromise with these people. This man is a Marxist. He has embraced Marxism through critical race theory. That's what Fink is doing through ESG. That's why it's so easy to relate it to the Chinese social credit system, isn't it, Bobby? Yeah, it is. Um, and someone like Fink, um, you know, Rob, I spend less time now reading about what people are doing in D.C. And one of the reasons is, is because people like Fink, he's way more powerful than most politicians yeah. because he's not elected and he's influencing corporations with no term limit and his power, a lot of times, unilateral. There's very few people in D.C. more powerful than Fink and a lot of other of these institutional leaders. Um, I mean, we need to shine a light on people like him because of what he's doing. I know last time I came on this show, I raised awareness about Benjamin Crump, the civil rights attorney. A lot of these people have gotten a pass because we focus so much on senators and lawmakers. Those figures deserve attention. But a lot of times their power's overblown. It's people like Fink and Crump who are damaging the fiber of society. And those are the people that I'm going to continue covering because I think their impact is far more consequential. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you're covering them because that's why I want to get you on the show. When you when you put something out, I read it. Uh, and uh, we bring you on here to talk about it because your research is so good. Uh, number one, but you're hitting the right tone, tenor, and issues, and the right individuals, you know. Uh, there are those of us like me who served in the military for three decades. I'll cover the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and the politicians and those kind of things, but uh, but but uh, I promise the folks that watch this show that we will talk about everything that's important to them, uh, and this is critical, Bobby. I mean, the, these guys— uh, like Fink, uh, and I can think of a half a dozen others uh, uh, off the top of my head. Uh, like you said, like I said, they have unfettered power, uh, and it's much more. I don't think there's anybody in Washington D.C. that's more powerful than a guy like Larry Fink, uh, quite honestly, or any of these other corporate moguls uh, uh, that have this kind of power 
honestly. You know, uh, and and they have made the government embrace ESG and diversity, equity, and inclusion. And uh, in the next, in the last segment, I want to get into the workplace stuff, which really is is about DEI. Uh, and uh, DEI is, uh, I don't know if it's an offshoot of ESG or if it's a, uh, uh, or if it's just a parallel effort that's more closely aligned with organizational structure and personnel policy uh, and those kind of things. You know, in in in, in government service, uh, we've always had equal opportunity EEO classes. You know, uh, you know, I came in in the late 70s into the military. My first real job was a government employee in the military, and we were required to take equal opportunity employment classes. Uh, now, we were coming off of Vietnam, and I mentioned the riots and the, the, the young black men that were just creamed uh, in the Vietnam War uh, in larger numbers than they should have been uh, and those kind of things. So there was still a little bit of that going on. Uh, but the, the men and women that I sat in those classes with, and you were required for your first three assignments. So every time you change, you do a permanent change of station, which is every two or three years or four years, uh, uh, you're required to do the next level class for the first three assignments as a, as a young person coming in. Uh, and it wasn't indoctrination as much as, hey, here's the history of race relations in America. Here's where the United States Air Force is, and the United States Air Force is, is where we're at a complete meritocracy. You get recognized and promoted, and our systems are built this way based on your merit to do the job, and you treat everybody with respect and dignity, et cetera, et cetera. And I lived under that system for 32 and a half years as a commander, a senior commander, three times, uh, uh, and had no problems, zero, saw zero uh, issues with that. Well, we've got to take our last break. And when we come back, we'll dive into the workplace issue uh, a little bit more. I'm Rob Manus, Rob Manus Show on Red Voice Media Network. We'll be right back. We interrupt today's programming to bring unfortunate news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. So take action now. The Federal Reserve's phased deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard and put your hard-earned assets in jeopardy. But here's the good news. There's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Speak to someone at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Dial 833, the number 2 USA Gold. Yes, call now, 833-287-2465. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Call 833, the number 2 USA Gold. Yes, call now, 833 833- 287-2465. Act swiftly. 833-287-2465. 
The Supreme Court's landmark ruling, striking the use of affirmative action in college admissions, opened the door to possible litigation over workplace hiring programs using race as a factor. Legal experts have long speculated the Supreme Court's ruling on affirmative action may have far broader impacts on corporate diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. In a brief filed with the Supreme Court regarding the Students for Fair Admissions versus North Carolina and Students for Fair Admissions versus Harvard, major companies, including General Electric, JetBlue Airways, and Google, expressed their grievances. They said undoing affirmative action policies would mean losing, quote, a pipeline of highly qualified future workers and business leaders and future struggles meeting diversity goals. The landmark decision set off sharply different responses between liberal proponents who say affirmative action ensures diversity. Today's America has still not lived up to the ideals we deeply share as Americans. An ideal that says we must have opportunity. Well, opponents say it blatantly discriminates against white and Asian students. The opinion issued today by the United States Supreme Court marks the beginning of the restoration of the colorblind legal covenant. Academic institutions have long claimed removing affirmative action policies would lead to a decline in workplace diversity. And while opponents of DEI programs believe the affirmative action ruling helps their case, ultimately, challenges against DEI programs in the workplace would need to be litigated separately. Welcome back to the Rob Manus Show here on Red Voice Media Network uh, and the Roku channel. We bring you the facts and the truth, and you get to make up your own mind about what's really happening in the world uh, without government and corporate lying propaganda being forced down your throat. That's why we talk to people like Bobby Burak from Outkick.com, a great journalist that does great research. And we're talking about his most recent article uh, uh, where, where the term excused racism uh, is, uh, is really the theme uh, of it becomes, in my mind, the theme of what affirmative action really is. I mean, a lot of people can't really describe it. Uh, uh, and you saw in that clip there, the, the big corporations are upset and they're whining uh, about the judiciary uh, decision. Uh, but I disagree with them. It's not going to shut down a pipeline of highly qualified people. That's crazy. Yeah. I it's going to do the opposite. The idea of undoing affirmative action, at least in as a use for college admissions, is to get more qualified people in colleges, not people who are getting in based on their skin color. And I want to bring yeah. up a point you brought up. Is equity, DEI, are they offshoots of affirmative action? I would argue yes, because affirmative action enabled and introduced excuse racism where you can legally and racially discriminate against targeted groups. That is what DEI is doing as well. DEI, the inclusion part is not accurate. It's actually exclusion. What they're saying is exclude this group from your hiring process. That's what DEI actually is. This whole thing that is making us more inclusive is not true. They're excluding people. Um, and what's concerning is, is that, sure, the Supreme Court ruling is going to prohibit Harvard and North Carolina and these institutions to factor race into admission. But this ruling has nothing to do with AT&T, 
Walmart, all these other companies continuing to hire, promote, fire, demote, and elevate subjects based on the color of their skin. That is excused racism because you're allowing executives, encouraging executives, incentivizing executives to look at candidates, not based on merit, their success, their talent, or resume, but only to find them by the color of their skin. Um, it's, you know, it's so unfortunate that that's where we are because in 2023, that was never supposed to be the plan. Well, yeah, you know, and you, you were talking about the survey uh, where people are uh, more concerned about race relations than at any time in the last 75, well, since the late 70s, 60s. Uh, uh, and uh, through most of that time, I mean, this is just since the Biden administration came in. So through most of that time, we elected uh, Barack Obama to be president of the United States uh, over, I might add, the, the anointed one. Hillary Rodham Clinton, she was the anointed one. Uh, uh, that's why they ran her again. Uh, and then they su got surprised by Trump, uh, eke, uh, you know, eking out a victory there. Uh, and uh, uh, so it, 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 and during my time in the military, like I said, I never really saw a problem from the perspective that these people that talk about this today, you know, like the woman in that clip there, that our country hasn't lived up to its ideals. Uh, well, you only believe that if you believe there is some secret systemic racism uh, being practiced by it, but it has to be practiced by people because the laws have all been addressed. You know, uh, even the last Jim Crow laws have been taken off the books. I was part of an effort over in Louisiana to remove uh, the last vestiges of Jim Crow over there in the legal system. Uh, you know, so so the laws have been corrected. Uh, so when you say there's systemic racism, in order to believe that, you have to believe that there are racists operating the system that look like me because all of the efforts of the policies are against people that look like me and you, quite frankly, uh, white males. Uh, and, and I just haven't seen that in my, in my experience in three, you know, over three decades of experience. And three of those positions, the last three, uh, were in highly selective command positions where one of them, I worked for a black two-star general, uh, you know, I mean, never even, an afterthought about that. Uh, my peers, uh, one of my peers is a is the three-star general in charge of the Air Force Academy, who, by the way, is uh, is a nice man and a very good aviator, but has fully embraced critical race theory and woke ideology and all of this craziness because his boss, uh, the guy that's about to become the chairman, embraced it too, and they're they're wrecking the United States Air Force through these DEI policies. And I also might add, Bobby, that equity in there is a guarantee of outcomes. So to even put that into the, it used to be diversity and inclusion, where you were right, where the inclusion part really it's the opposite, it's exclusion, okay? But when they put equity in there, that, uh, that eliminates the other two completely because equity means we're going to implement policies that guarantee outcomes for a specific group of people based on the color of their skin or their sexual choices or whatever. Uh, uh, but it's not going to be you, me being the white guy looking in the mirror. Yeah. And so about a year ago now, um, because race 
relations have been a topic for, I mean, they've been heightened ever since George Floyd's death in 2020. Mm-hmm. But the best way to look at it is, this is my issue with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and The View and CNN when they talk about systemic racism. You're right. Systemic racism no longer exists, especially on the macro level. And this is what we have to remember. There's always going to be racism on the micro level by virtue of bad actors, be it white, black, Hispanic, or Asian. We can't, as a country, prevent that. It's always going to happen. But we what yeah. can do is ensure that institutional racism on the macro level is eliminated. And it has been. What proof is there that in an institution, a, your white skin color is going to help you succeed? All the policies in place on a private level are to do the exact opposite. And mm. through affirmative action, on the federal level, and, and the ESG, another one. These are all in place to, pro, to actually derail white people and elevate other people. Now, look, we can get into if that's right or wrong. I happen to think it's wrong. But to say that these institutions are discriminating in favor of white people on the macro level, I await for any study or any proof, examples of that, because I don't see any. These people in the media and in D.C., and corporate executives, yeah. they reach so often about systemic racism, but never provide concrete examples. I go back to Biden and May saying white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland. Why didn't the president provide any examples, data, research, or study <laughs> to back that up? Because there's not any. And that is That's all right. you have to know about these people. They're lying to you. You're exactly right. And you point out in your article that in a meritocracy, the politicians can't control the society uh, because they can't uh, they can't manipulate people uh, and everything. Well, Bobby, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we're about out of time. Tell folks where they can find you. Give them your coordinates. Uh, and I really appreciate you and OutKick for the work you do. Rob, always enjoy coming on. You can find me uh, at Burak, Bobby underscore on Twitter. You know, shout out to you and also shout out to all the people at Red Voice Media. I love what you guys are doing. I think you're one of the few outlets actually worried and concerned about the spread of factual information. So I'm a big fan of what you guys do. Anything you guys need on my end, you got. Thank you very much. And uh, tell the folks at OutKick, we appreciate them too uh, for the very same reasons, my friend. Uh, Well, folks, I'll see you tomorrow. It's Whistleblower Wednesday. We've got the author of Defending the Constitution Behind Enemy Lines, U.S. Navy Commander Rob Green is our guest on Whistleblower Wednesday. Uh, We'll go out with Tucker laughing and uh, have a great evening and watching Red Voice Media Network where you get the truth and the facts. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.